guys, welcome back to the Light and Lion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Prosser, and joined as always by my car co-host, Dakota <laughs> Jacobson. We've got a Light and Lion first. Dakota is, this is just shows his dedication to the show. He is recording today from a parking lot before he goes into a baseball game. And I just want everyone to acknowledge his pure dedication to making sure that we get episodes out. We are coming up on, I think we went about two weeks without recording. So we apologize for that, but we've got some really exciting episodes coming up here in the very near future. We don't want to say anything right now. Um, you guys can just wait and see for that. But Dakota, how are you? You guys are busy trying to sell your house. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's kind of the, one of the main reasons why we're, uh, why we're doing this episode. Well, I'll say why I'm doing this episode from the car today. Um, That'll also explain why I'm sure the the quality of the audio is probably going to be a bit uh, a bit diminished. I'm trying to um, try to record everything on this little uh, handy little recorder today, um, so I don't have my usual you know mic set up. So I'm expecting it to be a bit diminished, but I'm hoping it won't be distracting and that'll work. But yeah, no, things are good. Things are uh, are a bit hectic for us right now, but all good things. Um, so that's yeah. good. So, but, but yeah, we're going to make it work because we've, I think in the last month, I feel like we put out a, one or maybe two episodes. Um, the goal obviously is, is to get those out weekly, but I know with life, sometimes it just, uh, isn't the case. So we appreciate y'all giving us some, some grace on that, uh, but expect, expect us to be a bit more consistent going forward. I'm really excited. Like Chris said, for, for some episodes that we have coming out. Yeah. And I think we mentioned this every episode, but I'll go ahead and mention it again, if there are videos that you guys want us to react to or topics that y'all are particularly interested in, maybe you have some questions, maybe you heard an objection from a non-believer and you want us to address it, please, please, please feel free to send those things to us via Instagram because that makes our life a lot easier and really helps to ensure that we can produce content more frequently because we're not having to rack our brains around, all right, well, what do we want to talk about this week? So I just want to throw that out there. If you guys have videos or anything that you want us to talk about, please do feel free to send them our way. For today's episode, we are going to have a discussion, and I'll kind of lay out, generally speaking, about how Christians should interact with each other on social media. And to do this, what we're going to look at is we're going to pull up this guy. He's kind of a nerd. He has this Instagram called Theology and a Cup of Coffee, and he gets on there, and he posts all this really just annoying apologetic stuff. And, no, dude, that dude's and, awesome. I, I, I love that guy. I got, that guy's really and, cool. And so we're going to pull up his profile. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm the nerd in this scenario. Um, but we're going to pull up my Instagram because I was me and Dakota obviously we text quite a bit and I usually when I see funny comments on some of my posts I'll send them his way and he had the idea of like hey well let's have an episode talking about how Christians should engage with this sort of content and so Dakota I'm going to go ahead and share uh, yeah, my screen usually that, yeah yeah, yeah that, I'll, um, I'll use this opportunity too to um because you want to to plug your podcast more so than just the reactions that you're getting from your reels um, fantastic podcast, really, really good. It's very uh, clear and concise, but still very meaty. Um, so definitely recommend um, doing that. Also, this is going to be both a discussion primarily about how Christians should dialogue with one another online, but also how we as believers should dialogue with 
the non-believing world really uh, in terms of not just in our day-to-day discussions at work, you know, at the grocery store, things like that. But I think it gets a bit more complex and nuanced when we talk about online, because obviously there's room for um, assumptions and, you know, a lack of contextualization. So we're going to dive into that a little bit and kind of how to uh, ultimately we, we want to talk about how we can interact with believers and non-believers in a way online that glorifies God um, with God's glory being our ultimate goal. So Chris, if you want to go ahead and, uh, and get that pulled up, we can uh, jump in. Yeah, totally. Well, and I appreciate the plug too. Uh, hopefully you didn't oversell it because people might go listen to it and be like, oh my gosh, this podcast isn't very good. <laughs> but I appreciate the plug. But yeah, I will get this pulled up here. Um, Dakota, let me know when you can see you're usually the one in the driver's seat for zoom so for the viewer or listener i apologize dakota is usually the one doing all this so if it's a little clunky today that is my fault um dakota yeah, I can is see it on the... my... okay cool so by the way just quick uh go ahead and go follow a cup of coffee.ll if you're not already doing so that's the real point of this episode i just want you guys to follow me on instagram um but okay, so there's a couple of different posts that we can pull up here. I'm actually going to pull up one from today that there's been some engagement because I think it does a better job at showing what Christians can expect. Well, we can actually look at a couple examples, but I'll just start here. And I don't want to show – is there a way that I can pull this open without it playing – Okay, it's not – y'all don't have to listen to the video. If you're interested, go watch it. I think but, you just click on the video itself and might pause it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, there we go. Let me get a let me get a better uh, facial expression. There we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's scroll down just a little bit here. All right, so the first thing I think, Dakota, let's kind of focus the conversation as we start here on non-believers because obviously as Christians – Sure, there's going to be some times where we're engaging with Christians who are going to disagree with, with us theologically. In other words, if I make a post about predestination or unconditional election, I'm probably going to engage with people who come from a more Arminian background or a more free will theist background. And they're obviously going to disagree with me theologically, and we can have that sort of discussion. But in my experience, that is a very small minority of the time. A large majority of the time is non-believers, and I'm not just simply saying atheist. However, atheists typically make up the largest, you know, I guess you could say populace of people who are very critical whenever I post apologetic or biblical-related content, which makes no sense because if God's not real, why are you wasting your time arguing with me about it? <laughs> but anyways, different topic for a different day. But first, we can kind of look at some examples, I guess, of how – non-believers typically engage with us and we can we can see or maybe have a discussion around how Christians should respond because in my experience there is a there's an emotional component to this right because as a Christian I see comments like this and I'm like oh man I'm fired up now because you're you're not just attacking my beliefs you're attacking God the God who created heavens and earth you're I feel that they are going after him and as a Christian God doesn't need my defending by the way he's totally capable of defending himself. But but as a Christian, I want to defend God because I love God, and I, I don't want his name or reputation to be tarnished. And so here's a really good example 
uh, this first comment here. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but ultimately you, you can. Chris, real quick, sorry to cut you off. Would it be, would it be possible to zoom in a little bit on that? Because um, I know uh, like I'm, I'm seeing it on my phone and I, I'm, it's really hard for me to, to see exactly what it says. So, oh, that's super is, helpful. Is, it, is that better? Yeah, that's much better. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right. Um, all right. So yeah, good first example here. So I'll give a quick overview just so the listeners have a context of this video. So in, in this particular reel, I was responding to a, a Muslim had sent me on Instagram a list of 439 contradictions in the Bible. They were trying to prove to me that the Holy Scriptures are not reliable. So he sent me this list. It was really kind of him to curate this list for me and then send it my way because they provided me some content <laughs> to make. So Anyways, in the video, I'm basically responding to to that. And so this man says, what is really sad, frankly, is just laughable, is that you are spending your time arguing over ancient texts that were produced by goat herder and fishermen from thousands of years ago who didn't know where the sun went at night. You pretend like it's actually real, and you ignore biblical history and textual criticism that is completely debunked at all and showed it to be nothing but what it is, mythology. Would you go ahead and argue over Cross and Mathis and dotting the I's real intelligent? So a couple of observations here. Number one, it's there's no argument being made. <laughs> the, the, the person here is just going after my intelligence, right? You can see that with the last real intelligent kind of snarky comment, you know, and also a, a few other things. They were sheep herders, not goat herders. <laughs> <laughs> um you know and so another thing to point out he he cites biblical history and textual criticism that these things apparently have pointed to the fact that the bible is just mythology so another observation i want to make from this is that people will use kind of buzzwords textual criticism that's a huge thing right uh, church history biblical history they'll use that and then they'll try to make an argument and this guy is saying that Oh well, textual uh, textual criticism and biblical history they point to the fact that the Bible's myth. That's not true <laughs> at all. So Dakota, if you are on the receiving end of this sort of comment, what are some I guess initial thoughts that you have? Not not necessarily about this comment in particular, but when you go about formulating a response, how do you do that in a way that glorifies God? If that's our ultimate purpose, right? Yeah. Yeah. When, and again, I mean, it's kind of like we touched on in the intro, it's really difficult to have these discussions that are, I mean, because it's so easy for us to get wrapped up in the weeds of theology. And we were talking about theological concepts and, and constructs and different religions and things like that to make it very academic. And it's, it's kind of just all on paper and we're just defining terms and things like that. But I think it's important for us to, to stop and, and step back and truly think about the fact that eternity hinges on our response to some of these things. And so when we're responding to somebody, you know, we're not responding just to a username. We're responding to an image bearer of God who, if they died right now, would spend eternity separated from God. So I think our, our first inclination, our first desire should be to show grace and compassion and kindness in our response. And that's whether it's, it's, you know, over social media or whether it's, um, you know, in person, whatever that looks like, we're always called to, to be gracious and kind in our response, speaking the truth in love, not compromising on the truth, but at the same time, making sure that we're gracious because 
for us to to win a debate or to win an argument, uh, it does nobody any good. And the reality is that for somebody like this who's responding in this way, they don't really care uh, what we have to say anyway. Um, you know, they're they're like you said, it, it's the irony of, and I don't know what this person's um, you know religious or theological background is, but the irony or the you know the the comedy of somebody who who does not believe in God spending every waking moment to, trying to convince other people as well. Um, you know, it, it's, it almost is like in the, in the, like the root of like their heart, they know that there is a God, right? That's biblical. Um, but they've, they've so tried to convince themselves and they think that they can, they're just trying to get more people to affirm what they themselves are trying to convince themselves of. Um, yeah, that was a lot of word word jumble. But um, with all that being said, I think that we need to be very careful about the way that we kind of go about having these discussions online, not saying there's not a place for online discussion and debate and back and forth. But especially when it comes to to dialogue with a non-believer, I think that as much as we possibly can, we want to get in in person or at least over the phone with with somebody um if possible obviously in this situation i know that's not possible because we don't know this person but um we always want it to be if i can sit down with somebody in a coffee shop or at a restaurant or get them on the phone and we're talking and they have an objection first of all it's really hard for them to make their straw man arguments because i can very quickly Im immediately debunk what they say um and they know that so it's not going to be as easy for them to present their straw man arguments um at the same time, there they, there's tonality in your voice, so they can hear in your voice that you truly care about them and, and their well-being and their eternal destination. I mean, if I'm trying to to share the gospel with you, somebody as a non-believer might not understand why I'm doing that. But the reality is that as a Christian, there's no. I'm not I'm not trying to earn my salvation by doing these things, right? Maybe some other religions that they can bring more converts or they can proselytize or whatever they can earn more merit or they can get closer to heaven, things like that. So they are incentivized to do those things for their own selfish um, purposes. But for a Christian, we don't really, th there's no benefit in terms of, we don't earn more merit or more grace or more favor. My only reason for sharing the gospel with you is because I don't want you to die separate from, separate from God. I want you to spend eternity with God. I want you to enjoy yeah. God both in eternity um, you know, in, in his eternal kingdom. And I also want you to enjoy him here and now. And so as a non-believer, they won't understand that at first, but our heart and our desire should be to, to show them all. First of all, I'll backtrack. First of all, we need to pray for them because the Holy Spirit needs to do a miraculous work within them to prepare their hearts to receive the truth of the gospel. If that doesn't happen, they're not going to be responsive at all. Um, second, we need to understand that we cannot convert, change, transform anyone the holy spirit does that so all we can do is be faithful to open our mouths and proclaim the truth of the gospel um i do think that we need to keep the gospel front and center when it comes to these conversations um, and i know i'm going a little bit long on this point this is kind of my last point on this but i think that the more we try to get into the weeds especially over social media on things like um you know textual criticisms and biblical manuscripts and and all these weird little little rabbit holes that uh you know, that some people go down, um, it's, it's, it makes it clear that the, the heart of it is, is, has lost, you know, the gospel has, has lost the being the main focus of the conversation. And now we're talking about, um, you know, academia, um, yeah, for or philosophy, 
right and, and man's philosophy so keep it keep the gospel at the center of it um and and always always speak with grace with with compassion and kindness speak truth and understand that the person that you are responding to is an image bearer of god they're not just a username yeah i think i really like that that's going to be a a highlight for the this particular episode you're not responding to just a username i i love that you said that when you're engaging with someone especially a non-believer you're not just engaging with someone who's an enemy of your faith you're engaging with a person who the bible outright says is made in god's image therefore we need to respect them in such a way that reflects that we really believe that even though they may not believe the bible they may not have put their faith in christ regardless the fact stands that they are made in god's image and we should treat them as such and i i really appreciate that you brought that point up on my side i think and this is probably more so just aimed at myself, but I know for me, whenever I'm about to engage, obviously as someone who's putting content out there, I'm going to probably interact with people a lot more. Not necessarily, I hate to say it from a defensive standpoint because I'm the one who's putting out the content, but I think intentions have a lot to do with it, right? So whenever I'm putting out content like these reels, I'm not necessarily doing so with the aim of trying to convince an atheist or a muslim or a you know a buddhist that christianity is true i think that that ultimately at the end of the day is a work only the holy spirit can do i can't convict the heart and soul of men only the holy spirit can do that what i'm doing whenever i put out content like this or on theology and a cup of coffee is i'm trying to edify the believer now yes i do want the atheist or the non-believer to be convinced of my arguments, but at the end of the day, preeminently with me, I'm trying to just encourage believers that are living in a world that hates God, hates Jesus, and wants to attack it daily, right? You said earlier, Dakota, that people go out of their way. They don't believe in the Christian God, but they go out of their way day after day after day after day trying to convince Christians that they shouldn't believe in God. And if they really in their heart believe that God didn't exist, they wouldn't spend so much time trying to convince others. So I think the first thing is intentions. When you're putting stuff out, whether you're sharing something or making some sort of content for yourself, you know, some people, they don't necessarily have to do a podcast in order to have thoughts where they might get on Instagram and share stuff. So the first thing I'd say is check your intentions when you're putting content out or sharing content. When it comes to responding, I think this is where the intentions get really important because for me, I'll find myself typing out a smart aleck response, you know, especially to an atheist. I will have a very smart aleck response, right? And I'll have it typed out. And before I push in, the Holy Spirit convicts me and I delete it. And then I'm like, okay, I need to actually approach this in a winsome way. Not that is just going to prove my perspective or prove my worldview, although that is a goal of mine, I want to do so in a way that's respectful. And Dakota, I think you touched on that already, so I won't kind of beat a dead horse. But really, are you responding to someone online because you care for their soul and you want to convince them of the truth? Or are you responding out of some sort of pride or superiority complex? And at the end of the day, you're just hoping to win the argument. I think that's like a huge, huge thing that Christians have got to keep in mind. Because if you're doing it for pride, prideful reasons, 
you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're doing it for pride, your response is going to be laden with pride all over it, right? Every I struggle with pride, so that's why my initial reaction is always be snarky <laughs> whenever I'm typing out a response. But then again, the Holy Spirit convicts you and says, hey, uh-uh, that's not going to work here. You need to kill that pride off, and you, if you're going to interact, because I don't, number one, think we're obligated to interact. I do think that if someone's directly attacking you, but social media, it's hardly a direct attack, right? Because social media has millions and billions of people on it. So it's hardly a direct attack. We make it personal when it's not really about us in the first place. In some instances, it is. But I, I have three points I want to make. And Dakota, I want you to stop me or if you hear, hear something I say, you want to you know, kind of press a little bit further on it. Yeah. The three points that I have, kind of three rules for interacting online as a Christian. Number one, be kind. Dakota and I both said that already. You're talking to an image bearer of God. This is not just a person who you should view as, oh, well, this is my debate opponent, and I need to conquer them so I can feel good about myself the rest of the day thinking, oh, well, the rest of my day has been kind of bad, but I at least beat that atheist in the argument online. That sh it if that's what makes you feel good, you should really kind of reevaluate and kind of do some inward reflection on your heart for that. The second thing is be true. Don't be afraid to say what the Bible says. If someone pushes you, go to the scriptures and base your argument from the scriptures. Dakota, you were saying earlier about how sometimes we can get maybe a little bit dogmatic or a little bit, I hate to say the word the theological because. In some sense, we do want to be theological in our responses, but I think what you were trying to get as get at is theological in the sense of maybe speculative theology, things that maybe aren't outright explicitly said in Scripture, and we're kind of imposing our theological framework on it, those sorts of right. things, right? Right. So I, I think when, when an atheist or a, a Muslim or anybody pushes back on me online – what I want to do first and foremost is I want to defend what the Bible says. I don't want to – or not even defend. I just want to present it. The, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. We don't need to defend it. We just need to simply present what it says. It will defend itself. Yep. Right, and and then the third thing is, is be bold, and that kind of goes with the being true. Don't be afraid because someone is – and I've engaged with people, and I could pull up an example from this exact post – where the guy I'm engaging with, he's very well articulate. Now, if I wasn't a studying apologist, I would probably read some of his arguments and be like, oh gosh, <laughs> what if this guy's right? You know, unfortunately, that's not the case because I see right through his arguments in this particular instance. But I shouldn't be afraid to go and do some digging on my own, is kind of my point. So if you see something online that kind of maybe makes you a little anxious, be bold. Trust that the word of God is faithful and true, and you can investigate these things for yourself. Don't simply take the word of some random person on Instagram or Facebook, or whatever. Um, be bold in trusting that the word of God is true and that you can challenge, challenge, in a sense, you can challenge the word of God by taking these questions and objections to, to the word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, sorry. So we, I, I feel like we both kind of went like very long on there. Um, what would you say, Dakota, is one of the dangers that Christians should be aware of if they do choose to interact with 
non-believers or even other Christians for that matter, what are what are maybe one or two dangers that you think Christians need to be thoughtful of if they choose to interact online? Yeah, so my answer is going to be different for um, between the the non-believer and the believer. So I'll start with the non-believer because we're we're kind of already on that. Um, with the non-believer, I think as you touched on uh, really well, I think pride can start to creep in, and you feel like any affront or attack on on your faith is a direct attack against you. Um, which again is is easy because Chris, like you said from the very beginning, anytime somebody's attacking our God, our Creator, um, you know the the King of the Universe, it's we we want to go to bat, we want to go to to His defense. Um, there's a a proper way to do that, and again, like you said so eloquently, God does not need us to defend Him. Um, he is perfectly capable of of defending Himself. However, that does not mean that we should not engage in apologetics. Um, and, and things of that nature when the situation calls for it. So we just want to make sure, um, I have a couple Bible verses here. I think that, that speaks to it really well. So Proverbs 9, 8 says, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Um, I think that if we're engaging with somebody who has no interest in in learning and growing and being transformed or changed or having their their viewpoints challenged or or pushed back upon, I think we're just both going to end in kind of an impasse and we're both just going to be frustrated um, when each of us try to, um, you know, inf inflict our viewpoints uh, upon the other. Now, obviously, I, I am very biased because my viewpoint is the word of God. So when when with if I'm coming to, to bat with God's viewpoint, it's going to win out in the end. I know that. However, we have to remember that our our objective is not to win a debate it's to bring people uh closer to the truth of god's word so um second one is colossians 4 6 let your speech always be gracious season with salt so that you may know how to how you ought to answer each person so again uh gracious in speech but also always prepared to give a response always prepared to uh to respond to to these things so there is nothing wrong with with responding to these messages there's nothing wrong with I'd actually go further as to say, I think we have an obligation to be present in these spaces like Instagram and YouTube uh, to to bring truth and to bring light to these spaces, right? Because they're there anyway. Um, and if they're so filled with darkness, if we can bring some light to these these spaces and bring some truth uh, for those who have been so gifted uh, to do that, whether it be verbally or whether it be with tech or whatever that looks like, I think we have an obligation to do that. Um, I don't think real, we can- Real, real quick yeah, on yeah. that, Dakota. On that point, because I I agree with you, and I said earlier, like we're not obligated to interact on social media. What I was trying to get at was right, right. We're not obligated to argue with people. I of agree course. with you that we should be vocal in the public square, right? But I think there is some sort of preparatory work that has to go on. Because what I see is a lot of people will try to get online with great intentions, like in their heart. They love God. They want to defend him. They want to give a reason for the hope that is in them. But then they do so unequipped. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you'll see it time and time again in the comment section. People just get utterly destroyed right? because they go into these arguments sort of well-intentioned, and they're wanting to glorify God. But in some cases, in a lot of cases, they have not done the homework, so to speak, to be able to speak to some of these things. So whenever we say yeah. 
Christians should engage, I think we need to preface that by saying Christians need to be equipped first and then go into the public square of social media and be right. willing to engage with the culture that way because sometimes we go into battle without our sword and that's not you know that's not a very good strategy right. we want right. to go in equipped to be able to interact and that encompasses a lot of things first and foremost it encompasses scripture it also encompasses things like church history and and we alluded to this textual criticism right our our uh, archaeology there's a lot of things that Christians we need to be aware of because if we're going to give a reason, we need to be aware of the various reasons. And scripture is the first reason, and it's the ultimate reason. But there's a lot of other things that support Christianity, not just the Bible, although the Bible at the end of the day is all that we need to prove Christianity. God has graciously given us other things as well, like church history, like textual criticism. And we need to I'm not saying everybody right. needs to be a textual critic expert. Not everyone needs to have a degree in philosophy and understand the different types of fallacy arguments and all that, but knowing those things do help you is my point. Yeah, and I, I, I wanted to make sure that I was um, – I, I, I think I said this, but in, in case I didn't, I think what, I, what I'm trying to, to emphasize here and going along with exactly what Chris just said is that the person who has been gifted to, to do these things, right? So I don't believe – and the Bible would would clearly say this, that not everyone should be a teacher. Um, so with that being said, not everyone should have a social media ministry, um, ultimately, you know. And so I think that, you know, really echoing what Chris just said, I think that we need to err on the side of caution when, it, you know, as it pertains to um, presenting ourselves on on any kind of social media platform, whether it be a podcast or YouTube or anything like that, that we go into it. Um, erring on the side of maybe feeling like we like we're over prepared to do it. If we feel like there's any part of us that is not prepared to engage in these conversations, um, knowing full well there's going to be questions that are asked that we need to to go do a little more research on, of course, because we won't know everything. But at least prepared to foundationally answer these questions, handle these objections, uh, go into it and and faithfully and concisely and clearly proclaim the message. Um, we we shouldn't engage in those things yet right just as if i um if i didn't know if i couldn't give a, a clear presentation of the gospel it would probably be in my best interest to go uh and, and make sure that i was that i was familiar with scripture familiar with what the gospel truly was to make sure first and foremost that i was safe but before i go and engage with somebody and try to share the gospel with them i want to make sure that i myself understand what the gospel truly is before i go and try to you know preach the gospel or, or proclaim the gospel to somebody else and potentially confuse them because I myself am confused. Right. Um, well, I, I do have one I, more point on, on the, oh, uh, yeah, the non-Christian side, but I want you to make your final um, or, or whatever point you have. Um, and then I, I have another point on the, on the second part of the super long winded answer, I guess. No, I love it. Um, yeah. All I was going to say is I think a lot of times Christians who are well-intentioned, like I said, and that's a lot of people, uh, a lot of times in the comment section, I will see, Sometimes it's an innocent grandpa, you know, who probably mm. barely knows how to use Instagram, but he's seeing comments about people attacking the existence of God, whatever, and he has good intentions from his heart. But maybe grandpa didn't study apologetics. Maybe he's not familiar with the moral arguments or the cosmological arguments for God's existence. So he's going in saying the word of God says that God is real. It implies that God is real. It outright states that God is real. Therefore, God is real. 
as a Christian, I find that a compelling argument. We have to realize when we're engaging a non-believer, they're going to say, okay, what's your point? I don't believe you, so here we are at square one, right? We got to be familiar, and to your point, Dakota, not everyone's called to engage in thoroughgoing apologetics. I think every Christian should be an apologist, so let me say that up front. I think every Christian needs to be able to give a reason for the hope that is within them because that is a scriptural mandate. We are told, I think it's in, I want to say Second Peter, where we are told that we need to be willing. You have to forgive me if that reference is wrong, but we need to be willing and capable to when a, when someone comes and say says, well, why do you believe that Christ really rose from the dead? I've I have seen that question so many times that I can spit out my answer like that, and it's because I want to be ready when someone comes with me or comes to me with that objection or that question. I want to be able to give them a reasonable, well-articulated answer. Now, I want to also say when we engage online, and I found this to be the case a lot, especially with some of these reels like getting so many comments, it's really tempting to just go nonstop with these people on and on and on all day, every day. I don't advise you to do that. At some point, you got to be willing to say, okay, I've made all my points, and this person is just going to keep arguing with me no matter what I do. At some point, we got to be willing to say, all right, even if I let them get the last word, I trust that I had the be better word, so that's kind of what counts when you're arguing with someone, right? And so I think right. you got to be willing to cut it off. But one thing I wanted to say on the point about people being un unequipped going into these sorts of conversations. I think a lot of people think, well, if the situation arises, because not very many people expect that they're going to get confronted by an atheist or a Muslim in their day-to-day -day life. And so they just sort of think, well, if that happens, God will just tell me what to say, and they'll cite maybe a, a textual reference where um, we're told that don't worry about what you're going to say when you appear before rulers. I will put the words in your mouth, right? And so they kind of think that applies to them when it comes to apologetics, that God's just going to put the words into their mind, and they're just going to simply speak. I'm not saying that never happens, but God gave us faculties. He gave us brains, and he did that because he intends for us to use those brains to engage in study. First and foremost, we need to study the scriptures. Second, we need to study the conversation that we're going to engage in, whether it's with atheists or Muslims, whatever. So don't rely on God just poofing information into your brain when you've done absolutely nothing to prepare yourself. God blesses effort, right? Now, it's not saying you earn something by putting in effort, but God blesses effort, and he demands your obedience, If you, especially if you're a Christian. He wants your obedience, and he commands us to be people who work. That includes knowing your Bible, studying, being familiar. That way you are equipped, and then in those situations, God through his spirit will help you to make sense of the things that you've studied and read and will help you to then articulate it. He's not just going to say, oh, well, Chris is in an engagement with an atheist. I better populate his mind with all sorts of thoughts that he's never heard of or read about before. Right. Although he, he probably does do that in some instances. That I would say that, that it would be – not the primary way he wants us to use the brains that he gave us to engage in things like apologetics. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Really good answer. Um, I think going to the, I guess kind of the last, the last point of sort of talking about how we conduct our, our, I guess, conduct ourselves in an online format or just in, in any kind of um, kind of social space. 
Um, as it pertains to how we communicate or dialogue with with fellow believers, um, I think this is even not more so to to be careful, but but in a different way. We need to be very careful about how we're doing that because as it is a family matter, this family matter is taking place in a in front of a watching world um, that is able to see everything we're saying. The way that I would that I would have a uh, a dialogue or maybe a, a debate or discussion, um, you know, with Chris about maybe a uh, you know some some view maybe that we differ on. For he and I to text each other, I would speak with him differently over text than I would if we were going back and forth in a comment section on Instagram. And that's not because I want to be disingenuous over Instagram or I want to you know soften it or anything like that. But I would probably say if that in, if that conversation started on Instagram, I'd probably say, hey, shoot me a text or I'd probably just shoot him a text because I think that we need to be very careful to not have those family matters, those internal dialogues happen, especially when they get really nasty and really ugly, as they so often do in front of a, a lost world that sees us and they see those two people are claiming to be Christians. They're meaner than than anybody that I know. Um, that aren't even aren't even believers. So why should I want to to have what they have, right? What what do they have that I don't have? They seem nasty and they seem rude. Um, so I think for for the person that is constantly engaging in in kind of pushing their either uh, man made philosophies or maybe they themselves have emphasized a point of um, of of scripture. They've they've elevated it to a place that's not even scripture elevates it to. Um, where there's room for maybe for some freedom, for some uh, Christian liberty in scripture, maybe they are not leaving any room for that. Um, We just need to be really careful uh, of the hills that we're willing to die on, especially as it pertains to social media, as well as if we're going to post things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it might be, every time we post something, whether it be something um, pertaining to the Bible, uh, you know, Christ, uh, you know, theological, spiritual, whatever it looks like, or completely separate from that, if we're posting about us being at a baseball game. Um, I think as just as we will give an account of every word that we've spoken, every idle word, I think we will, I think that also includes every word that we've said via social media, every word that we've typed out, I think we'll give an account for. So if you are posting something with the intent of trying to slam dunk on an opponent, um, even if you're just blasting it out to your whole, you know, Facebook group or Twitter group or whoever. Um, Chris, I think you touched on this. I think we just really need to, uh, to stop and consider what is our heart behind this post? Is our heart to share the gospel, to bring people to the truth? Um, and we also have to ask, is it's the best place for it? For me to post this, is it going to lead to more controversy, more questions, more division, more, um, you know, even if what I'm saying is true, is it going to be fruitful? Is it going to edify the saints? Is it going to uh, bring hope and, and truth and joy to the believer and, and to the non-believer i think more times than not the answer is no so we need to be really careful um, about how we post and and how we respond to christians in that space because the world is watching um that's kind of really my last point yeah. on that um, i would love to get your your final thoughts on that too and then i'll close this out i completely agree with you on the point of believers you know engaging with believers because we live in a time where people are so set in their sort of theological camps and social media i think has really blown up this issue because we have access to so much information we can see 
someone who lives across the world, what their views are on soteriology or eschatology, whatever. And I think our natural sinful instinct, and maybe it's not always sinful, maybe we just make it sinful, but I think when we see something that goes against what we believe, and this is true for both engaging with non-believers and believers, our natural instinct is to want to respond. If I see someone as someone who holds more to Reformed theology, who is talking about how man has free choice and you know they don't need God's grace and salvation, my gut reaction is, oh, well, that's wrong. I need to respond. I need to reply. Again, we can think about our intentions. Well, why do I need to reply? Are they saying something heretical that goes against the gospel message? Are they misleading people, deceiving people, so on? You can kind of go through your intentions and really decide, okay, is this worth posting? I think with Christians, especially the main claim that Catholics make against Protestants, right, is that we're so divided. Just a little side note, we're not nearly as divided as Catholics make us out to be, and they're not nearly as unified as they make themselves out to be. It's kind of a – we'll have a different episode on that one <laughs> in the future. However, I think there is some merit to this claim about disunity amongst Protestants. We argue so much about non-salvific matters. That doesn't mean that the matters aren't important. If it's in the Bible, it is important and we need to discuss it. But Dakota, like you said, we need to dis discern what hills to die on, and there's a book, and I forget who wrote it, but it's called Theological Triage, and it basically is a book that's supposed to help Christians decide, hey, what doctrines or what theological positions do I need to be willing to crawl over glass for, and what – Theological issues are secondary, tertiary, and so on, right? In other words, they're not going to affect someone's salvation, but they might affect how we practice as a church or those sorts of things, right? But Paul, the apostle, is very clear in Romans 12. He says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. He does not say constantly bicker and fight and try to prove your theological standpoint. Dakota and I, we don't agree on covenant theology versus dispensationalism. However, and this happened a few nights ago, right? Dakota, we were taught we had a dialogue about this. Mm -hmm. There was no hurt feelings. There was no we just had a conversation about, hey, here's what I think about this. Here's what you think about it. And that was great. I learned a little bit about dispensationalism. Dakota probably learned hopefully a little bit about covenant theology. Yeah. Yeah. But there there's ways that and I'm not saying that Dakota and I are the epitome of this. Uh, so don't take me as like bragging on ourselves or something like that. But I do think it's really important when you're engaging with a brother and sister in Christ, it's a family matter. We say that constantly on this show. We are dealing with an in-house family matter, and we need to remember that it is not worth causing division in the body of Christ for things that ultimately are not going to impact our salvation. And I think the temptation on social media is because you're probably not going to meet these people. You're probably not going to ever have to engage with them in real life. It's really easy to hide behind your keyboard and you know, pick apart my presentation of unconditional election if you're never going to really have to sit down and talk with me in person. And I remember one thing that R.C. Sproul said you know, because him and John MacArthur had a very good relationship, and he said this, and it just like really stood out to me. And this was right before R.C. passed away, I believe. But he said, one thing I love about John MacArthur is if I can take him to the text and show him where his error is, he will change his opinion like that. 
I think as Christians, we need to be more so willing to do that on both ends. We need to be willing to make a biblical argument. We need to do so in a way that is faithful to Scripture, but is also kind and gracious to people who might hold a incorrect or different view than what we hold. But it's really important that we are unified for the sake of Christ and his reputation because Christ does not have a confused or dislocated body. We are one body with many members. We all have our own functions and whatnot, and I think it's important that as we go into the world, we're not having this appearance of family dysfunction or family disunity. We need to love one another even when we disagree on non-salvific issues. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's a, uh, that's a perfect ending, I think. So I'm um, hopefully hope this was helpful for you guys. I know uh, it's definitely convicting for me and, and, you know, something that's very important to think about as we are, you know, most of us, I would say are probably pretty, pretty active on, on social media um, in some capacity. So I think it's definitely important for us to be very careful um, and considerate of how we're responding to things, what we're posting, things like that. So hope you guys got a lot, a lot out of this. Um, with all that being said, Feel free to uh, follow us on Instagram, leave a comment, be careful and, and considerate about the comments that you leave on, on our page, or we might respond in a, in a nasty way. Um, but uh, shoot us a DM, like Chris said at the very beginning of the episode, if you have any ideas uh, or any things that you want us to react to going forward, it definitely helps us a lot if you all give us ideas. Um, so definitely do that. Let us know if you enjoy this, this kind of new format. Um, or the, you know the format that that you enjoy most, and we'll definitely take that into consideration and kind of get a feel for um, for our audience and, and kind of what y'all are responding to and what y'all are liking the most. Um, feel free to share this with family and friends as it helps the podcast grow. Um, and in the meantime, keep growing in knowledge to the glory of God. See y'all next time.